There's tons of men and women in all those areas of ministry that you didn't see up there. So there are just tons of men and women, boys and girls who are serving, and that's really what makes Faith Living Church work. And we've been talking about for, oh, several weeks now, what on earth am I here for? And uh, let's see, does anybody remember what those things are? See, uh, we were created and called to be loved by God. To belong where? To belong to God's family. To become like Jesus. To be a, to bless others, to help others, you know, and, and to honor God. And so what was the fifth one? Oh, we're going to talk about that one today. Well, actually, um, I want to remind you before we get into our lesson here today that, um, you know, out of those five purposes, it's kind of important for us to, to remember that there are purposes God has for you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you, okay? Purposes for you, which means you're not an accident. You are not an accident. There are accidental parents, but there are no accidental children, okay? There are illegitimate parents, but there are no illegitimate children. It's really important for us to understand that. And your parents may not have planned you, but God did. So we need to understand we have a purpose. God created us, you know, with value and, and significance. He really did. And you are no accident. So um, let me look at a verse right here. As we're seeing all these things that he's created us for and all the areas in which we will serve, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. You believe that? If you sow, all the people we've seen in some of these uh, clips already who have been serving unbelievable hours that lots of times people don't even know about behind the scenes. Anytime you sow something, you're going to reap it. You know, all of our guys up there in the booth, you know, and the people, the sound, you don't hardly ever see them, you know. They make it available to all the people who's watching the service online here in our community and around the world, you know. Folks are able to watch it, and, and we just want to greet all those who are out there. Without these folks, what would happen? There's a lot of people be completely left out of the picture. There's a lot of things that's going on you know, where people are planting seeds even though we don't see them. And there's a lot of seeds growing around us outside physically, aren't they? And we don't know who planted all those seeds either. But the Bible says, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you're sowing love, you're going to reap love. If you're sowing criticism, guess what? You'll reap criticism. We reap the things that we sow. And I am so thankful that I'm in the midst of a lot of men and women, boys and girls, who are sowing good seeds into God's kingdom. Well, our fifth calling, what we were created for, is we're called, you know, to be sent. We're called to be sent, created to be sent. And we'll kind of unwrap that uh, for you a little bit. You know, God is gathering a family together that will love and, 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 and they'll live together forever and ever and ever and ever. How many of you plan on going to heaven? I mean, that's really what it's all about is, is to get all of our friends and our loved ones, people in our sphere of influence and everybody 
to heaven and, and God is gathering a family together and he wants everybody, to be honest with you. Well, listen to what it says here in Ephesians 1 verse 5. It says, long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. Oh, if I forget, I have a little vacation Bible adventure video promo about what's going on this coming year at VBA. If you remind me at the end of the service, I'll, it's only a minute and a half, okay? So if you remind me, I'll show you that. It's just important. I don't want to forget it because that's where so many of us work together to win hundreds of children to Jesus. And I don't want to forget that. So you don't want me to forget, right? Okay. All right. Thank you. Ephesians 1, 5 again says, Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ and what pleasure he took in planning this. See, all of us were created by God. All of us are loved by God, but not everybody is a child of God. Some people go blank, well, we're just all children of God, and that is absolutely not true, not according to what the Bible tells us. See, you've got to choose to be in God's family. You really do. You have to make a choice, you know. And, uh, you know, the, the Bible uses two metaphors on how we become a member of God's family. It uses the term being born. You've heard that term. It's found in the book of John, chapter 3, about being born again. And the metaphor we just read about here in Ephesians, it says long, long ago he decided to adopt us. So these two metaphors show how we become a member of God's family through being born into his family or by being adopted into his family. And God gives us the choice to love him or to reject him. He will not force us with our arm up behind our back. He's not going to force us, you know. If someone forces you into a relationship, is that love? No. That's coercion, you know, but it's not love. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. We're going to make the choice. Life, death, blessings, curses. And he says here, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would choose life and blessings so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice to choose life by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. It is a choice. It is a choice. Although God loves us all and he created us all, you know, we are the ones who choose to be a part of his family or to reject his family. That's, that's our choice. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, for everyone, and that's 100%, any man, woman, boy, girl on the planet, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from the sins and the consequences. Everybody, everybody. Does everybody know about Christ? Does everybody on this planet know about Jesus? They don't. But if they called upon him, they would be saved. Now, the Bible tells us in Romans, it says, we've all sinned and we fall short of God's glory. And then it tells us the wages of our sin is death. 
But then it goes on to tell us a little bit further on, you know, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's salvation, is the forgiveness of our sins to everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You know, for everybody. And he goes on to say in verse 14, but how can they call on him? Everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? You got to believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, it says in Hebrews. And it says, and, and how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? So how can they believe in someone they've never heard about? And how can they hear about him? Uh, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Hmm. They've got to believe. But, but in order to believe, they have, have to heard about it. And, and the only way they're going to hear about it is by somebody telling them about it. The good news, that is, in verse 15, it says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's our fifth, you know, uh, purpose, our, our, our first, uh, our, our fifth, uh, you know, calling. We've been called to be sent. And he says, verse 15, How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers the sent ones. Now I would like to uh, everybody have everybody take off their shoes right now and we're going to come around for our video camera and look at your feet. <laughs> See if you've got beautiful feet or not. Well, no matter what they look like on the outside, God says they're beautiful if they're carrying you to tell other people if, about the good news that, hey, God loves you. And he's not mad at you. He forgives you. He's a God of another chance, you know. He says, you got beautiful feet. Verse 15, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Verse 16 says, but not everyone welcomes the good news. Now, wouldn't you think everybody would, even after they've heard it? Well, some people haven't heard it yet, but some people who have heard it don't welcome it. I mean, it's not a good move, but I, I have come to discover that most people, when they hear the good news, they do welcome it. But he says here in verse 16, but not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? And it really hasn't been everyone, but a high percentage. Verse 17 goes on to say, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ. We have been sent to bring others into God's family. We have. Any man, woman, boy, and girl who have accepted Christ as their Savior, who become part of the family, has been sent now to tell other people. Wherever you're at, wherever you go, throughout the rest of your life, that's what has happened, you know. Uh, oh, I forgot. Don't y'all like good news? I recently discovered something. It's actually a medication. It costs $5 a pill. Is that expensive? kind of is. Cures cancer and Alzheimer's and several other horrible diseases. $5 a pill, you've got to take one a day for three weeks. Cures everything like that. Is mine. Five dollars a pill? You think that's expensive? Cure cancer? Alzheimer's? 
and a whole bunch of other horrible diseases. And where I found it at, they make millions of them. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you where you can get them. If I genuinely had the cure of cancer, Alzheimer's, and all these diseases, and I kept it a secret to myself, it would be criminal, would it not? Now, you know, this is, I'm, I'm just kind of acting this little piece out here, hopefully to get the point across, but it genuinely would be if, if we had, you know, such awesome news as a cure for these diseases, and we kept it to ourselves, it would, it would be criminal, and I should be incarcerated. If I kept it to myself, even if it was a $1,000 a tablet, if I kept it to myself, it would be criminal. It really would. Well, God has given us a more wonderful news than a pill that cures cancer. He really has, you know. You can have all of your past forgiven. All of the sins, everything you've ever done, and the consequences all forgiven and, and washed away. You can have a brand new life, a brand new chance. You can have your name written in the book of life and you are guaranteed to live in heaven with God forever and ever and ever and ever. And then before you get there, you can have a purpose that's really worth living for, even to the point you'd be willing to die for it because it's so awesome. Now, if we had such awesome, fantastic, wonderful news that gets us to heaven instead of hell, Cause us to become part of God's family and find the peace and the joy and the hope that so many people are desperate because they have not. If we had this good news in the palm of our hand and if we did not share it with other people, it would be criminal. I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. He says here, and we do have uh, the cure. We genuinely do. A book full of good news. He says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, this means that anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. So many people in their life just wish, oh, I could just start all over with no strikes against me. Oh, if I could just start over. But it, I, since I can't start over, I've got such a bad blob, blot against me. You know, life is not hardly even worth living anymore. It's not even worth trying because they don't know the good news. But he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. It's gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him reconciling bringing people back together you know there was hostilities between us and god and god has given us the task of being sent to to share the good news to to uh bring back together people in god and and to reconcile to to to, to be one again you know do you think we could do such a thing could we possibly persuade other people that god ain't mad at them that God loves them and he's the God of another chance? I don't think it's really that complicated. I, I think if, if this pill was true, it wouldn't be hard persuading people, would it? If I tell you, listen, uh, Home Depot tomorrow, 
has a 99% off everything in the store. If that was true, would you go? Absolutely. You'd probably get up, leave the service now to go make your list, you know? But we want, we want to and we love to share good news. And we have been sent to share this good news with other people. We, we really have, you know. 2 Corinthians 5.18, it says, All this is from God through Christ. God made peace between himself and us. God made peace. We're, we're beginning to talk about a, a peace plan here. God made peace between himself and us. And God gave us the work of bringing people into peace with him. No more hostility. No more feeling God's a big stick, you know. Uh, but, but making peace with God. It came through Christ. And he's given us this, this work, this task of bringing people in, in to, back into peace with him. Because they've been believing a lie all this time, you see. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, this assignment, this mission, if you choose to, to accept it, you know, of reconciling people to him. The ministry of reconciliation, bringing people back together in, in a relationship with the almighty God. Convincing folks that God is not mad at you. He knows everything about you and he loves you and he forgives you. He really does. You know, one of the teachers of the religious law asked Jesus a question. Listen to what he says here in the book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 28. It says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And the second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. How many of you, honest to goodness, want to be forgiven and go to heaven? So if you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're going to want them to be forgiven and go to heaven too, wouldn't you? Absolutely. And uh, when you're cold, you usually get yourself a sweater or a jacket or something, don't you? Two or three of you do. <laughs> when you get hungry, how many of you go get something to eat? The hands that aren't up, you go, I don't even need to be hungry. I just go get something to eat, you know? <laughs> right? But see, if I begin to love people the way he says, love others as you love yourself. Number one, I, I've got to love myself the way God wants me to because if, if I don't love myself, then I love other people like I love me. That's not right, is it? The greatest commandment is to love God of all and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's no commandments any greater than these, and that empowers us to be sent and share the good news that we have received Hey, I'm going down and get all my stuff down at Home Depot once a year, 99% off everything in the store, you know. And if I love you guys, I'd tell you about the bargain, would I not? Or if I was just selfish, I'd just get it all for me, you know. Anyhow, he says here in 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. And we speak for Christ when we plead, 
come back to God. Come back to God. God loves you. I know you think he's mad at you, but he's not. That's a lie from the pits of hell. God forgives you. He cares about you more than you could possibly imagine. You know, he says we're his ambassadors and we're to plead. Really, it's Christ pleading through us to other people. Come back to God. It says, we implore you. Second part of this verse says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Come back. Be at peace with. Be reunited in your relationship with God. And you know what? What happens when you're, you're, you're reconciled to God? That's the beginning of becoming reconciled with the people around us who there's been some hostility with, you know. Stop the war with God, you know, and then we stop the war that we have with each other. When you make peace with God, then you can make peace with other people, you know, in that conflict, you know. Life is not about accomplishments or it's not about achievements. Life is not about gaining possessions. That's not what the life that we live in. Life is about relationships. Did you know that? Relationship with the Almighty God and relationship with with people and you know sometimes we don't have a good relationship with God and and that can be fixed sometimes we don't have a good relationship with ourselves and we hurt ourselves in many ways we've we've got to learn to have the right relationship with ourselves as I said a while you can't love others if you don't love yourself because says love others the way you love yourself love your neighbor as you love yourself you know relationships is really super important and when you got a relationship or you see the potential of a relationship You'll want, to, you'll want to tell them the good news. You'll want to tell them the best thing that's going on right now in a way that's palatable. Love God of all, love your neighbor as yourself. It's called the, the, the ministry of reconciliation, of bringing people back together. Um, John chapter 20, verse 21, it says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, peace. Here's my peace. Peace to you. You know, he says, peace to you. And then he says, as the Father has, what's that word? Jesus is talking, he says, as the Father sent me into this world, I also send you. The Father sent Jesus here to bring the most awesome, fantastic news. I'm going to forgive your sins. You're going to come and live with me in heaven. All you do is just make that choice. Just open up your life and receive me in. And, and Jesus says, the Father sent me to deliver this fantastic, awesome, good news. And Jesus paid for it, of course. Jesus said, I'm sending you. He wants us to receive peace and then pass it on to other people, you know. That's what he wants from us. This is the peace plan. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Oh, well, by faith. Just believe in what he said. We've been made right. We've been brought back together in a relationship with God where he loves us. Oh. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. He died for us. And, and you remember the, uh, the analogy, we talked about it before, you, you, you read about it, there's a lot of movies about it where some royalty, some king, and he's got his sons and daughters, the prince and the princesses, and, 
and you never really spank the royal behind, you know, so you have a whipping boy for the prince. The prince does something he shouldn't do, and they have a whipping boy that's in the palace all the time, and she's like, you know better than, you disobeyed me again. Bring the whipping boy. Bend over. Now you watch this, and they give the whipping boy a real good thrashing, hoping that it will register in the prince's royal noggin that I ought not to be doing that because I'm causing pain for this guy over here, you know. They never would whip the prince, but they whipped the whipping boy. Y'all familiar with the concept? Jesus is our whipping boy. Jesus took the punishment. He took the beating. He went to the cross. He, he, he descended into hell for three days for you and for me. And that's grand news. When he rose from the dead, he says, whosoever comes unto me, whoever calls upon me, will be saved. I forgive you. It's good news. It's absolutely fantastic. Jesus is our whipping boy. And that's noteworthy. That, that's worth telling other people all about it, you see. We've been called by Almighty God to be loved, to belong, you know, to become, to be blessed, and to be, uh, to be a blessing, and then we've been called to be sent. This is the five purposes that all we've been talking about. What on earth am I here for? God has you here to be sent to your neighbor, maybe back into your family, maybe somewhere on the other side of the planet to tell the good news to other people, you know. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, And then he told them, Go into all the world. And you know something, folks? We have it easier than anybody has ever had at any other time because our world is very small now. We can go with our little cell phone. I can talk to anybody on the planet. I can do it face to face. I can see them. I do this. You know what I'm talking about? We can go into all the earth. And he says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Tell them. And anyone who believes, if they believe the good news and is baptized, will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Other translation says, will be damned. Because, see, it is a choice. I've got to believe that the offer, if, if you don't believe that Home Depot's got a 99% sale going on tomorrow morning on everything in the store, you won't be there. But if you believe it, you'll be there, right? They don't really have one, just in case. You're thinking that, oh, they, they do. They don't, you know. So, if we believe something, it will cause us to practice it, to, to live by it. You know, it, it will change our life. But this right here, this particular calling is one that many people shy away from. Well, I don't want to tell nobody. I don't want to tell nobody the good news. I don't want to tell anybody what God's done for me, you know? Why? I don't know why we would shy away from that. If we're confident and know what God's done for us, we want to pass it on and help somebody else. Because everybody needs Jesus. We all do. And, and, and one day, we shall all give account to Almighty God for what we did with our time in regards to this call. Did you tell your neighbor? Did you tell the people you work with? Did you, did you tell somebody this fantastic good news that has changed your eternal destiny? Have we told anybody, you know? What have we done with the great command? Love your neighbor as yourself. What have we done with the great commission? Go into all the earth and tell them the good news. We'll have to give account for that one day. The peace plan is where ordinary people empowered by God, make a difference together, you know, together, wherever they are. You, you know, we do this at VBA every year. 
there's about 250 or sometimes a little bit more adults. We work together and we serve so we can have a vacation Bible adventure that reaches literally hundreds and hundreds of people, children. And then it trickles in and it affects their families and all. We work together. That's the peace plan of working together. We're so much more effective when we work together than just strictly always just a, an independent, you know, soloist, you know, a lone, a lone agent, you know. Listen, John 15, verse 16 says this. You didn't choose me. This is Jesus talking. You did not choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce, what's that say? Lasting fruit. Fruit that will remain. See, most of what we do in life isn't going to last. Think about what you did yesterday. How much of what you did yesterday is really going to last? Think about it for a moment, you know. The things we spend most of our time on, people won't remember it in 10 years or, or 20, you know. What about 50 years from now or 100 years from now? Do you think people care what movie you watched? What book you read or where you went on vacation? Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you can't watch something or read a book or go on vacation. But what I am saying is, what are you doing? What Jesus said here, I chose you and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. What are you doing that's going to last? Lasting fruit. Now, there's a pastor that I've had the privilege of hearing him preach a few times. I've been to his church several times. There's some special little things that's going on. His name is Jim Simbala. He's over in New York City. He pastors the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And God's really worked miraculously in how that thing even got started. But he tells this following story that I want to share with you this morning. Jim says, it was Easter Sunday. And I was so tired at the end of the day that I just went to the edge of the platform, pulled down my tie, and I sat down and draped my feet over the edge. It was a wonderful service with many people coming to know Christ. The counselors were talking with these people. And as I was sitting there, I looked up the middle aisle. And there, in about the third row, was a man who looked about 50 disheveled, filthy. He looked up at me rather sheepishly as if saying, could I talk to you? We have homeless people coming in all the time asking for money or whatever. So as I sat there, I said to myself, though I'm ashamed of it now, what a way to end a Sunday. I've had such a good time preaching and ministering and here's a uh, a fellow probably wanting some money for more wine. Well, he walked up, and when he got within about five feet of me, I smelled a horrible smell like I had never smelled in my life. It was so awful that when he got close, I would inhale by looking away. And then I would talk to him, and then I'd look away again to inhale again because I couldn't inhale facing him. And I asked him, I said, what's your name? David, how long have you been on the streets, David? Six years. How old are you, David? 32. He looked to be in his 50s, hair matted, front teeth missing, wino eyes lightly glazed. 
Where'd you sleep last night, David? Abandoned truck. Jim said, well, I keep in my back pocket a money clip that also holds some credit cards, just a few dollars on them. And I fumbled to pick one out thinking that I'll just give him some money. I won't even get a volunteer. They're all busy talking with other people. And usually we don't give money to people. We just take them and get them something to eat. But I took the money out and David pushed his finger in front of me and he said, I don't want your money. I want this Jesus. The one you've been talking about. Because I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die on the street soon. Jim said, I completely forgot about David. And I started to weep for myself. I was going to give a couple of dollars to someone that God had sent to me. See how easy it is. I could make the excuse I was tired. There is no excuse. I was not seeing him the way God sees him. I was not feeling what God feels. But oh, did that change. David just stood there. He didn't know what was happening. I pleaded with God. God, forgive me. Forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry to represent you this way. I am so sorry. Here I am with my message and my points, and you send somebody, and I'm not ready for it. Oh, God, forgive me. Something came over me. Suddenly, I started to weep deeper, and David began to weep. He fell against my chest as I was sitting there. He fell against my white shirt and my tie, and I put my arms around him. And there, we wept on each other. The smell of God's person became a beautiful aroma. Here is what I thought the Lord made real to me. If you don't love this smell, I can't use you because this is why I called you where you are. That is what you are about. You're about this smell, helping these kinds of people. Christ changed David's life that day. David started memorizing portions of the scriptures that was absolutely incredible. We got him a place to live. We hired him in the church to do some maintenance, and we got his teeth fixed. He was a handsome man when he came out of that hospital. They detoxed him in six days, and he spent that Thanksgiving at my house. He also spent Christmas at my house, and when we were exchanging presents, he pulled out a little thing, and he said, this is for you. It was a little white hanky. It was the only thing he could afford. A year later, David got up and he talked about his conversion to Christ. And the minute he took the microphone and began to speak, I said, the man is a preacher. This past Easter, we ordained David. And he is an associate minister of a church over in New Jersey. And I was so close to saying here, Take these few dollars, because I'm a busy preacher. You know the verse we just read before I shared Jim's story with you? In John 15, 16, it says, You didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce 
lasting fruit. David is lasting fruit. Not only was he forgiven and given another chance and saved, he became a pastor. That's sharing that good news with other people to this very day. Just amazing when you think about it. There's only two things really in this life that will, that will last forever, and that's the truth. God's word will never pass away, although he says heaven and earth will. So the only thing that's really going to last forever is truth and people. And we should invest our lives in these two things, in the truths of God's word, and invest our lives in people, touching people's lives. One day in heaven, somebody's going to come up and say, thank you so much. You know, I, I don't know you. I'm so sorry. Well, uh, I was over in Ethiopia, and you prayed for me, and you supported me, and I came to know Christ there. Or I was in your neighborhood, and, and uh, you invited me to VBA, and I got saved there. Or 10,000 other things. We're going to meet people in heaven one day who are going to say, because of what you did, working together with your, your group of people, you brought me to Christ. See, let's invest our life in what really genuinely matters. Nothing that you do, nothing I do is more important than helping people develop a relationship with God. And listen to what it says here in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For a child is born to us, so my Jesus, and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Listen to what Jesus says about peace in the New Testament. John 14, 27. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. Peace on the inside of you. Peace with God. I, I, I'm leaving something special. He says, I'm leaving you with the gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, you know. Jesus is saying he's the prince of peace, and he's given us his peace, and he's telling us to pass that peace on. He's sending us to pass that peace on to others so they know they can be at peace with God and be peace at peace with the people who's in their sphere of influence. Matthew 16, verse 18 Jesus says, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now, I'm going to let you know something. I believe in education, but education is not the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. The church across this planet, where men and women, boys and girls, gather together to study the, the care book, if you would, working together, networking together, joining our, our forces together, making a difference in this world, brings hope to the hopeless, brings peace to those who are just absolutely at war on the inside of themselves. The church is genuinely the hope of the world. The church that Jesus Christ has built is a, is a church that brings reconciliation. It brings restoration. It, it's a church of another chance, you know. There's so much conflict in this world. I mean, can you ever turn on the television without seeing some conflict? Not, not, not ever, you know. But why? It's because this world in which we live, the spiritual emptiness. There's so much conflict because of spiritual emptiness. And, and when people are empty in their hearts, they war within themselves. They war with God. They, they war with people and other races and other nations. And, and the list just goes on and on and on and on and on when their heart is empty. 
They are at war, you know. When the Prince of Peace comes in and he reigns in our heart, reconciliation with God brings reconciliation with other men, women, boys, and girls, with, with mankind. Listen to what it says here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you shall receive uh, not power. Power! That's why you read that word, just in case. Now, actually, you need to understand, this particular word is really uh, dunamis, and it's, it's like the word dynamite. And actually, I was just going to light a little stick of it here this morning. I do not have a stick of dynamite, so if this gets out, I do not own any dynamite. I might have some pretty serious firecrackers, but I don't have no dynamite, okay? But it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you might be. Oh. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. If, if you ain't telling people about what God's done for you, you ain't got the power. You've not received the Holy Spirit. No, no matter what other gifts you might have, if you're not telling people everywhere about Jesus, you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit functioning in you. You can prophesy and speak in tongues and do all kinds of miraculous things, but if you're not telling people about Jesus, you do not have the power of the Holy Spirit functioning in you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying you start where you are. You start where you are and wherever you go, you're just letting people know. And you think about it and you plan it and you prepare for it. You know, just to give a little, little gospel presentation, just a little good news, a little word of encouragement to the people that God brings across your path on a daily basis, you know. In the book of Matthew 28, it says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because all the power and authority has been given to me, verse 19 says, Therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he tells us, as we'll go and share the good news, he'll work with us, confirming his word with signs following. After you share the good news and you leave, all of a sudden things start happening in that person's life. You're going like, what he said was true. He says he'll work with us, confirming what we said with signs following. That's what Jesus says. It's amazing. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Question for you. When is the last time you said yes to God? Don't you think about it for a moment. Well, God's not really asked me to do anything. Oh, yes, he has. If you communicate with him on a daily basis, you felt that little tug. I should go and help that lady get her, her, her uh, grocery bag in, in the back of her car. She's struggling. I should pay for that little boy's hamburger and salt drink. He's counting out pennies. 
I should maybe sponsor a kid in Ethiopia, or I should get involved in some area of ministry that's here, or I should, I should, I should. And you feel, because when God speaks to you, he don't shout. The Bible says he speaks to us through a still, small voice. And how easy it is to ignore a still, small voice, is it not? Especially if we get all this rumbling sound, you know, radios and tapes and CDs and, you know, televisions and phones and all going on. We can't hear that still, small voice sometimes. But when's the last time you said yes to God? Keep that in your mind here for a moment, okay? Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says, And Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages, and he taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and he healed their diseased bodies, and he healed their bruised and hurt lives. Verse 36 says, And when he looked out over the crowds, Jesus is his, his heart broke. As he looked out over, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest. Jesus said this. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers. Everybody wants to eat at his table, but they don't want to work in his field. And then he says to his disciples in verse 38, on your knees and pray for harvest hands. Pray for workers into the harvest. In the New King James Bible, the last verse there, verse 38 says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into the harvest. Because the truth of it is every, everybody, every man and every woman, every boy and every girl deserves to hear about Jesus. Everyone deserves to know that God will forgive them of all their sins, all their past, and they can start off brand spanking you. Everybody deserves to know that, and they don't know that. But they deserve to know it. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, And then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to these people? To this people. Who will go for us? And listen to what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. I can tell you about 44 years ago, I, I saw that passage for the first time. And I said, you know, there's a lot of people who's not better qualified. They surely are, and they still are. But <whistles> here am I, country boy, don't even speak proper English. <laughs> Send me. Send me. And I believe right here in this room, in this audience, online, other parts of the world, people who are listening to this, God's speaking. And he's saying, who can I send? And I believe that there's somebody in this room where it's just kind of like leaping up out of your heart. And on the inside, you're going, I might not be qualified, but here am I. Send me. I can tell them the good news. If you had a cure for cancer, it's like, got a cure for cancer. If you knew about a deal going on at Home Depot, sale 99% off. Or you can say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. He forgave me. He's given me another chance. He's given me hope and peace and purpose. We can do that. We don't have to be a theologian just willing to 
Tell what you know, the good news. Last verse we're going to look at, and this is our memory verse for the week. 2 Timothy 4, 5. I'll read it to you out of another translation. First it says, Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. But our, our memory verse is really short and small and compact. This is the one you'll be learning in your life group, you know, when you meet this week. And it just simply says it this way, work at bringing others to Christ. And nothing else you do on this planet, on this planet, is near as important as working to bring men and women, boys and girls, to Christ. Nothing is more important than that. Now, I'm going to play a song for you. And I almost chose not to play this song because this guy who's singing this song, he is a passionate soul winner. Passionate. To the place that he gets disgusted with the, the local church who aren't passionate about winning people to Christ. Now, this guy's with Jesus now. Back during the Jesus Revolution, that was my generation. This guy was center stage. When I say center stage, he was sharing, he was writing tracks, he was leading thousands of people to Christ with his music. I don't know if you ever heard of him or not. His name's Keith Green. So I'm preparing you because you see the passion coming out of him when he's playing and he's singing this song. And you see a little bit of disgust as he's looking out of the church every once in a while. Don't take it personal. No, actually take it personal. His song is talking about the church that is asleep in the light. But see if your heart can resonate with what he's saying here, okay? And, and then I got a little minute and a half clip to show you about BBA.
yourself away. You see the need, you hear the cries. So how can you delay? God's calling, and you're the one. But like Jonah, you run. He's told you to speak, but you keep holding it in. Oh, can't you see it? church just can't fight cause it's asleep in the light how can you be so dead when you've been so well fed Jesus rose from the grave and you you can't even get out of bed Keith Green, uh, many years ago, he died in an airplane crash. But he has personally led hundreds and hundreds of people to Jesus. And even his songs, he sang with passion because he was passionate about his relationship with God and about loving his neighbor as himself. What we're talking about this morning is that we have been created. We've been called to be sent. Use your music, you know, Use your fishing pole. Use your baking skills. Whatever you got, use it to win a friend. Share with them the good news, what God's done for you. So important that we do that. I want us to pray. And then I haven't forgotten the little minute and a half VBA clip. But I want us to pray right now. And if you would join me, what I want to do is to pray for you if you're here and have you reaffirmed your faith in Christ? But I believe there's some folks here, at least one, maybe not even in this building, maybe somewhere 
you know, online, they're watching this service, who is burning inside them, who just says, here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Use me, Lord. Use me. So I'm going to pray for you as well as we close. But if you don't know Jesus, would you join us as we pray and welcome Christ in? If you do know Jesus, reaffirm your faith with me as we pray. Would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. Thank you for having a plan for my life. Thank you for wanting me to be a part of your family. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He's my whipping boy. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door. And I welcome Jesus in as my Savior, as my Lord, as my soon-coming King. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the times I've slept in the light. <laughs> my life was about me. But help me today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power that I will become your witness and I will tell people about you everywhere I go. Here am I. Send me, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. I'm going to show you that video, but first off, just need to read you our weekly challenge. This is a big one. If you agree, check it off. Drop it in the tithe box. If not, just take it on home. It says, I am determined to focus on others. Nope, I got the wrong one. That was last week. Thank you, dear. I am determined. Starts the same way. I wrote it. You'd have thought I'd have known that. I am determined to share God's word, God's good news, and forgiveness with someone this week. You think you could share good news with at least one person this week? Yes. You could even start off saying, you'd never believe what our pastor did. He said he had a cure for cancer, but he wasn't going to give it to us. Now, that, that's criminal. But you know, he told us that we need to share the good news. You can start off that way. You can start off any way you want, but it says, I'm determined to share God's good news and forgiveness, of forgiveness, with someone this week. And if you do it with someone, you go, can I do it with two people? Okay. All right. If you want to do it with two people, go ahead. Three? All right. You're just taking advantage of it, aren't you? But if you want to share the good news with somebody, you surely can. Listen up. As we dismiss after this little clip, if you prayed with us and you welcome Christ in your life for the first time, at the Connections desk back there, there's a gift bag with a Bible, a movie, and a bunch of little goodies that'll inspire your faith. It's a gift. Just say, hey, I'd like the, uh, the gift bag that Pastor Ron was talking about. And uh, they'll give it to you. It's free. And if you're a guest with us, just say, hey, I'm a, I'm a guest today. We've got a beautiful gift we want to give you. Our way of saying thanks for coming. We hope you come back. And if you need some prayer, there'll be folks around the altar who'd love to pray with you. Let's watch this little uh, clip. Have something to do with VBA this year. Some of the greatest adventures in life 
are the ones you never saw coming. I remember it like it was yesterday. A beautiful day for sailing. Blue skies, the sound of white caps splashing the hull. We fished, we snorkeled. It was a perfect day. And then the storm rolled in. way off course, and all we could do was pull in the sails and ride it out. The last thing I remember was the ship running aground. As I crawled to shore, I remember thinking, this was the end of our journey. Little did I know, it was only the beginning. Someone told us last night, or asked last night, no, they kind of told us, I think. I said it takes about 250 adults to pull this thing off for all the kids we'll have in July. Hundreds of kids will be coming in here, you know. And they said, are you going to take us there? You know? <laughs> no, you are going to take us there, right? We're actually going to bring it there and, and bring it here and create that here in, in our sanctuary as best as we can. So be praying about that, and we'd like you to go ahead and sign up. There's sign-up sheets in the back at the connections desk. If you would sign up and say, hey, I'd like to help out in our VBA, it's going to be fun. But let me tell you what it's really all about. It's all about winning boys and girls to Jesus Christ. It's all about telling them the good news in a fun and a dynamic and an exciting way. See, God wants you to use your, your talents. He wants you to use your hobbies. You can use all the stuff that you enjoy doing. Just invite a lost person to do it with you, you know? And, uh, oh, forgot. These are back there at the door. Please, everybody, get one. Faith Living Connections. This has all the ministries of Faith Living Church. Well, it doesn't have all of them. I mean, like the Ethiopia thing we do out there, it doesn't include all that. But it has all the other kinds of ministries that's going on right now presently at Faith Living Church. And you can look at, you know, ushers, you know, worship, uh, you know, the greeters, you know, there's all the coffee. I mean, that's a good coffee ministry, you know. And, uh, home education. I mean, there's all kinds of ministries. All that we saw in that video, they're in here. And we would challenge everyone if you look through there and go, okay, I'll try it. And we do what we call a first serve. Some people are afraid to try area ministry because they know, well, if I say I'll do it, I'll have to do it for the rest of my life. And you won't let me get out of it. That's not the way we do it. We do a first serve. You can try any area ministry out that you want. And at the end of it, you go, I'm so glad I, I worked there in, in the nursery with you guys, but that ain't my cup of tea. But I'll be praying for you from now on, I'll tell you that. And then go into another area of ministry, you know. But take one home with you and uh, 
you know, see the area that you want to get involved with, you know, try first serving several of them. And it's not too late to get involved in a life group, okay? I don't know if Mike is still here. Is Mike back there or no? The people at the, uh, oh, Mike's wife is there. Is that Mike's wife? Is that Nancy? Yeah. So if you'd like to get involved in, in, in a, uh, a life group, go back to the desk back there and they'll help you get plugged in. Pick up one of these. Sign up for VBA. God bless you. You're dismissed.